Hey, how are you? My brothers, my sisters, friends. This is your brother, your son, and your friend in the Lord, Kirby. Today we're going to have a message, and I want you to stay tuned. Welcome back. Thanks for being so patient. Today we're going to study faith without works. Many of you have already heard of James chapter 2 verse 14 to 26, but we're going to actually add on to that. We're going to also go to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to 10. The reason why is last night there was a conversation that was brought up. And the conversation that was brought up amongst the Christian group that I'm in was merely, is faith enough? And we spoke in depth with that. And if the Holy Spirit permits, I want to speak in depth again tonight. Let's begin with prayer. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, I thank you. I bless your name. You're worthy to be praised. Father God, I repent for any sin that I've committed knowingly or unknowingly. And even for the listener here, Lord God, I pray that you purify their minds, their ears, and their hearts. Help them to be ready to receive from your eternal word. Lord, help us to not get into semantics, wordplay, things of that nature, but help us to say the pure, undefiled word of God that is able to save a soul and bring life to someone who is facing sudden death. I thank you, Lord, that the word of God is power. The word of God can raise the dead. The word of God can heal the sick. The word of God can cleanse a leper. The word of God can do many miracles. I ask you, show us the power in your word tonight as we listen and as we obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's go to James chapter 1. I feel... It's very important to kind of lay these few things. Let's make this podcast not so much strict um, today, although we want to respect what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But I also want to just talk to you guys. I want to pour out what's inside of my heart. James chapter one, verse 21 to verse 27. The Bible says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religious is useless. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now we're going to continue with chapter two, just so we can get the context as well of. The message that we're going to speak on, we're going to start from verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warned, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out the, another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Amen. And then afterwards, let's go into 2 Peter chapter 1. But for now, let's pause right here because there's a lot to chew on. I don't want to give you a spiritual food coma by giving you too much spiritual food all at once. But the title that we want to go over is faith without works is dead. All of us have been through experiences in life where we have needed some measure of faith or another. All of us have been through tough times and trials. All of us have some situation where we can have at least a testimony, big or small, of a way that God came through for us in response to our faith. Truth be told, faith without works is dead, essentially meaning faith without the physical fruit to show evidence of your faith is dead. That doesn't necessarily mean that God cannot act unless you act. That's not true. We know that that's not biblical because there are certain instances where faith was just faith alone without the person's physical effort in the Bible. For example, Lazarus was dead in a tomb. What faith did Lazarus have for him to be resurrected? You may ask, maybe, hey, there was Mary and Martha. No, look at the story again. Mary and Martha didn't even understand the faith. When Jesus said that Lazarus will live again, they even said, hey, we know he's going to live at the last day. They were crying in doubt. So it wasn't their faith. Whose faith was it? It was Jesus's faith that gave the miracle to Lazarus. To where Lazarus came forth. The Bible says even there was a point where Jesus touched a casket of a, a boy who was dead. His mom was going to bury him. Jesus told the men to put the coffin down. He put, Jesus put his hand on the coffin and then the boy arrived. We know that there's certain instances where God can act for you without you necessarily need to do something. I am not a firm believer that every single time that you pray for God for a job, that God is limited to your ability to put in an application. I believe that God has some ways where he can send someone down your path and say, hey, this is a job for you. This is something that I've seen happen in my own personal life. Does that mean that there's an excuse for laziness? No, I'm not saying be lazy, but I'm saying the works that you need to add to your faith is obedience. Remember, there's times in the Old Testament where God told them to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, as God said to Hezekiah, the king. 
There's other times where God said, go out and fight because you will conquer them. One instance, God says, you don't have to do anything. The second instance, God said, you do have to do something. That means the secret isn't in doing. The secret is in listening to God. For example, if you are looking for a husband or a wife, the secret isn't necessarily, oh, you know how some people say you have to go to this physical location before you find a wife or this or that. And I don't want to ever put God in that box. Now, I know that with wisdom, we can make certain choices. But at the same time, wisdom never overrides obedience. Obedience to God is always the principal thing. Wisdom is important and you cannot fully obey God successfully without some wisdom. It's better to be wise than foolish. But in the same token, obedience to God is important. The Bible says that rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. So when you hear that faith without works is dead, interpret the works as obedience. What would Jesus do? For example, your faith in Christ Jesus, you demonstrate that not just through yelling around and doing certain things, but it's through obeying what he's told you to do. Love one another. Like the example that James gave when he said, if someone is cold and hungry, the example that Jesus gave you to do wasn't to pray for them. Although you know that Jesus would tell you to pray for them. The example that Jesus shown was to love on them and to help them and to do these things for them. That's the example that you know that Jesus would do. Jesus multiplied the bread and fish for hungry people. Amen. So, is your faith evident through obedience? Can another person see your faith through the way that you obey? Let's go back into chapter one. It says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. It actually tells us in verse 22. Don't be a hearer only deceiving yourself. Essentially meaning it's possible to be self-deceived by the inability to act on the word that God has given. So the Bible tells us to lay aside in verse 21, all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Obedience to the word is able to save your soul. Obedience to the word is able to save your soul. Last time, obedience to the word is able to to save your soul. The Bible tells us to receive it with meekness. Do you know what meekness means? Submissiveness, a yieldedness. Receive the word with the submissiveness, submitting to what the word says, yielding to what the word says. And it's able to save your soul. If the word tells you to have faith and to believe, if the word tells you to believe God, to trust God, you do it. If the word tells you don't fear, you don't fear. The work right there is to obey. But Kirby, didn't the Bible also say we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast? Of course, your righteousness or your right standing with God is not based on what you do. No, it's based based on what Jesus did. However, because it's available Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. The Bible tells us because we adhere to Jesus, we are abiding in him. As he said in John 15, abide in me 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it shall be done to you by my Father which is in heaven. It's important for us to note this. Jesus said, abide in me. You are the branches. I am the vine. He who abides in me will produce much fruit. Your abiding in Jesus needs to produce fruit. The fruit is an evidence that you're abiding in Jesus, not a prerequisite to abide in Jesus. I'll say it one more time. Your fruit is evidence that you are connected to Jesus or not connected to Jesus. Your fruit are not a requirement to be connected to Jesus. But they're a product, an upbringing, an outpouring, a springing up of you being connected to him. Now, Jesus also said that if someone does not produce fruit, this person doesn't care about fruit at all, don't care about producing anything for God. They just want to do their own thing, want to get away from God, don't care about God. The Bible says Jesus tells us the father or the vine dresser will come and cut that branch off. But he said if a person does produce fruit, the father prunes them so they can be more fruitful. A sign that you're a healthy Christian child. Not a child as an age, but a child as in child of God. A sign that you're healthy as a child in the world is that you grow. In the same way, a sign that you're healthy in the child, in the children of God, in the child of the kingdom, is that you grow. Why? Because if you're producing work for God, if you're fruitful, what God does is he prunes you so you're more fruitful. In the human world, we call it growing pains. If a new tooth is growing, you feel in pain. Or if a child is teething, it feels in pain because there's growth happening. In the same way, you as a Christian, there will be certain times of growing pains where you have to let go of a pride. You have to let go of an addiction. You have to let go of lust. You have to let go of something. Amen. So then the, the verse right after verse 23 tells us, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. A person who is just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word is someone looking at themselves in a mirror. And then you're able to kind of dictate who you are through looking at yourself in that mirror until you walk away. And the moment that you walk away, you forget what type of person you look like. You have to trust what other people say. And the truth is not everybody else is nice. Not everybody else is kind. Not everybody else can see the deep things of your heart. Many people are judgmental, things of that nature. To avoid that, don't be a hearer only, but a doer. And that brings us into chapter two, where it tells us faith without works is dead. We're going to continue on with the story of Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham, verse 23 believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. God counted that point. Imagine if you are a sports fan, let's say basketball and um, something happens on the court. I I'm not sure. Goaltending. Let's say goaltending happens. They count that point. It's accounted or football. The referee, you know, there's a flag on the play and you already made a touchdown. But because there was a flag, there was an error. The, the referee can say, hey, you know, what? I don't count that. You go back five yards, 10 yards. Or yes, I do count that as a touchdown. In the same way, Abraham choosing to believe God made him count 
as righteous. It was accounted to him as righteous. God counted that as righteousness, right standing with him. His ability to believe him. Your ability to believe God can be counted as righteousness. And the fruit that others can see that you believe God. And that you're in right standing with God. Is that you live in such a way that God is pleased. Or you live in such a way that, that you don't see the fruit of the flesh. You see the fruit of the spirit. Now. Amen. That kind of convicted me. The Bible says as a dead. As, as, a, as, a, as a body is dead. Without a spirit. So faith without works is dead. Let's use it for this example. If you buy a horse. And the horse has no life. You have a horse, but it's dead. You can't go anywhere with it. You possess it. You just can't do anything. In the same way with faith. If your faith does not have any works added onto it, you have the horse. It's just dead. It's not going anywhere. You can just say, I have it. It's in me. I'm just not able to use it in any situation. That's essentially what that person sounds like. So this is what we should do. And let's make this practical. Second Peter chapter one. We're going to read from verse one to ten. Second Peter chapter one, verse one to ten. It starts out with Simon Peter saying, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have given have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to, to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to eat the three, first three verses. We're going to spoon feed you. The first three verses. The Bible says, Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Due to the, the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ that is imparted to all Christians, you have the same faith as Peter did and the rest of the apostles, according to what Simon Peter said in verse 1. You've obtained like precious faith. Your faith is like theirs. It's precious like theirs. Your faith in what? Is it just your ability to cast out demons? No, it's not that type of faith. The faith that allows you to believe Jesus is Lord 
Jesus Christ is the son of God. Jesus was dead and now he's alive forevermore. Jesus is the king of glory. Jesus is not just the son of God. He's the embodiment of God in flesh. Philippians chapter two, verse five to 10. So verse two says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. You can have more grace and more peace multiplied in your life through what you know, that knowing is revelation knowledge. Have you ever just read the Bible and you're just like, wow, this makes so much sense. You could read the same verse three times and every time you get a different revelation of it. Through the knowledge of the word of God, because the Bible says in Psalms 107, God sent his word and healed them. God's word is the answer to every issue that you have in your life. God's word is instruction. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word can shape the course of your life and benefit you. Yes, God's word can benefit you. As David said, forget not all his benefits. He redeems your soul from destruction. That's Psalms 103. He heals all of your diseases. All these different things that David says in Psalms 103 is a benefit for the word. Hallelujah. So now for you, Christian... How do you get grace and peace multiplied in your life? Through the knowledge of the word. The word is alive. I don't know how to describe it more than what I just did. If you open the word and you start reading, light comes into your spirit. You get revelation in the spirit. You start to know things. And not only that, your life can change just by the things that you know now. Notice what I said. There's certain times where I've been delivered from depression by just reading the word. I didn't even pray during that time. I was just in the middle of reading. While reading the word, boom, I caught a revelation. And as soon as I caught the revelation, my mind immediately felt this cool breeze like water flowing on my brain. And then boom, I got completely freed from that weight that I've been carrying in my head. In like manner, you as well spend time in the word and you'll see that the grace and peace be multiplied in you through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Who called us by glory and virtue. God's divine power has given us, you and I, Christians, all things that pertain to life and godliness. What? Did the Bible say some things? No, it said all things. The Bible says that God gave us all things that I need for my life and all things that I need for godliness. Kirby, but I haven't been experiencing this in my life. How can I experience this? Notice the caveat. The verse showed in the part right after what you need to do to access God's power that provides life and godliness in you. It says, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain or that have to do with life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, the knowledge of the one who called you shows you what's available for you. Growing in knowledge of the one who made you a believer gives you more access to the things that that person provided for you by you becoming a believer. Who's the one who made you a believer? God. Now, when I say God, I mean in his plurality, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Knowing Jesus Christ Jesus said that you couldn't even come to him unless the father first drew, drew you closer to Jesus. Having relationship, as the Bible said, you can fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
having a friendship relationship with the Holy Spirit and you see that you begin to have access to the divine power that God made available for you ever since Jesus died on the cross. This is confusing to some people, but let me uh, slow it down a little bit. God has made the ability for you to live godly available for you. That ability or empowerment to live a Christian life free from addiction, free from this type of depression, free from things. And I'm just naming things that I went through, guys. I went through addiction. I went through depression. And this is how I got free. That divine power is available through the divine revelation of Jesus. Knowing more of Jesus. Begin to pray this prayer. Put this prayer in your arsenal of praying. Lord, help me to know you more and help me to love you more. I've got it from a pastor that I heard one time named Rick Warren saying this. And I've prayed this and I tell you, this will show you deeper things in the spirit. And when you see the deeper things in the spirit for yourself, it's as if a new level unlocked in your own spirit, as if your own spirit is like a treasure chest. And the moment that you know more, you got the combination for it to come out of you and show forth through your life. Freedom. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is free, there is freedom. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Essentially meaning if you're still bound, there's a truth that you do not yet know according to the word. So let's begin at verse four. It tells us in verse four, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of that divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lord, forgive us for every time that we've returned back to the vomit, Lord, and that we have not held on to the freedom from lust. Freedom from worldly lust, meaning not just after women, not just after men, but even after things, even after circumstances, anything that is in this world system. As the scripture says, love not the world or the things of this world. Help us, Father, to not love this world or the things in this world. As you have made us partakers or sharers of the divine nature. Or in other words, the divine nature, the another translation for divine nature is the God kind. The God kind of life. The God kind of nature. The nature of holiness and righteousness, as you told us we had in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. You told us to put on righteousness. Help us to do this, Lord. And now here's the bread and butter, verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. That means moral excellence. Uh-oh. Wait, I thought faith was enough. Yes. But the Bible says... First, with your diligence, that means make an effort intentionally, put intentionality behind it, add moral excellence to your faith. And then to your virtue, knowledge, that means to your moral excellence, add knowledge, revelation knowledge, knowledge of the word. Don't be a dummy, essentially. We know when we were dummies, we've all been at points in time where we just felt like we weren't the brightest candle on the birthday cake. But the Lord Jesus can give you wisdom through spending time in the word. I recommend reading Proverbs. Hallelujah. 
And then it continues and said, to knowledge, self-control. That means even to the knowledge, the revelation knowledge that you have of the word, add self-discipline to it. Add self-control to it. Be able, the Bible says that a man who does not have control over his own spirit is like a wall broken down around the city. It also says that a man who does have control over his own spirit is mightier than the one who has control over a large city. So let's go over this again. To your self-control, you have to add perseverance. So let's go into the line. It says to your knowledge, add self-control. The revelation knowledge that you have, you're learning the word, you're learning things of the world. And you're, you're, the Bible says be as wise as, as a serpent, but be as innocent as a dove. So you're becoming as shrewd as a serpent. You're beginning to think differently. You're beginning to know more. You're not ignorant of Satan's devices, but on that you add self-control, meaning the way that you behave, the way that you act, the way that you think, the things that you listen to, the things that you watch. Even for me, the things that I play, I have to have self-control. And then to that, perseverance. Many of us, we have self-control, but we lack the ability to stay steadfast, to stay strong during tough times, to be able to hold up like Job and not curse the Lord. Many of us have threatened to leave God because of our circumstances. Many of us have suffered in silence for so long that now we're on the verge of exploding in our Christian faith. But you have to add perseverance to your self-control. In fact, I believe perseverance and self-control, you need one another. You cannot have self-control without perseverance. And you cannot have perseverance without self-control. But then it says, to perseverance, you have to add godliness. Godliness is the obedience to God's own instructions. Not just becoming a positive person. We're not hippies, guys, as Christians. But to actually add the virtues, character, and quality of Jesus specifically. The commands of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. Yes, we know that one. But do we know Matthew chapter 5? Verse 38, where it says, if someone slaps you on the left cheek, turn the right cheek to him also. When Jesus says to not do not resist an evil person, when Jesus said, if someone wants to sue you for your cloak, offer them your tunic also. That's godliness, actually obe obedience, actually having obe obeying the word of God. To verse 10, it says, I mean, verse seven, sorry, it says to godliness, brotherly kindness. Some of us confuse brotherly kindness with love. Yes, it's true. You cannot have love without brotherly kindness. But the reason why I believe that the author, I believe the Holy Spirit wanted to isolate this specifically apart from just having love is because many times we love people, but we don't like people. We forget that we should be able to be delighted around people as well. Many of us harbor unforgiveness. We harbor resentment. We harbor grudges or we hold people to standards based on their past behavior. Although we've read in the Bible, love keeps no record of wrongdoing. And we always make excuses on why we should be able to keep record of wrongdoing instead of asking, how can we keep no record of wrongdoing? Instead of trying to obey the word, we try to cut the word and make the word kosher, make the word vegan. Make the word Diet Coke instead of just taking the whole milk of the word, the whole meat, the protein of the word. When the Bible says show brotherly kindness, 
it's important because right after it says love. Then it says, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you abide in these things, you will never be barren, meaning you're empty, have no, no, not producing anything. And you'll never be unfruitful, meaning that you will remain always producing the godly kind of fruit. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 9. He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. And he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Those who do not intentionally, like the Bible says, with diligence, try to add these characters onto their life to supplement and to add on to their faith. The Bible says that the way that they see the Christian life, spiritual things, is short-sighted. They're only thinking about today. They can't set their minds on things above like the Bible says. They set their minds on what's today. And in fact, so much so that they forget that they were cleansed from their old sins, meaning they go back to old patterns that they shouldn't be in. They go back to falling into old mistakes that they thought they would never commit again for the fact that the diligence was lacking. I know what it's like, guys, and I'm not judging anyone for listening to this and feeling that they've been falling short. This is an invitation to come back because now you know where you have fallen. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. That means for those who will listen to this and you believe in once saved, always saved. For those who will listen to this and you do not believe in once saved, always saved. You have the same response. Make sure Regardless of what you believe, repentance should be a daily thing. Regardless of what you believe, intimacy with the Lord should be consistent. Regardless of what you believe, you should be in God's presence regularly because you want to make sure. It says that if you do these things, you will never stumble. That means it's possible for a Christian to never go through a backsliding season. It's not normal for a Christian to go through a backsliding season. It's common but it's not normal. It's not our homeostasis. Our homeostasis is not in the backslidden stage. Homeostasis is the internal temperature of your body to stay calm and collected so that you're not sick, you're not feeling ill, you know, things of that nature. You don't have a fever. Your body tries to maintain consistent homeostasis. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you add these things to your life, you will have an abundant entrance into the kingdom, meaning the doors will open wide. You're not barely getting in. So it's important for us to add these things to our life. Faith without works is dead. So we are indebted to God to be able to make an effort. God give us grace, but grace isn't a license to sin. Grace is an empowerment for righteousness. Grace is, it's only by grace that you can be diligent enough to even add these things like brotherly kindness, love, or some of the tougher things like being perseverant. So always rely on the grace of God because you're saved by grace. Grace is the oil or the, the gasoline in the car. Amen. And if grace is the gas, I believe that faith would be the engine. And if engine is faith, I believe that works would be the wheels. Amen. So you need all those components. 
You need the gasoline of grace. You need the engine of faith. And you need the wheels of work. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this message. And I ask you, Lord, that you help us to remain steadfast. Help us to grow and to be diligent. Give us the grace to be diligent. Give us the faith to be diligent and encourage us to the works to be diligent in Jesus name that whatever we do, we honor you in it. And that in whatever we say, Lord God, that we're always in alignment with your word. Lord, I pray that you adjust us in any area that we're broken and fill us, Lord Jesus, in any area that we're empty. I thank you for this in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Hey, if you like that, there's more where that came from. Follow me on Instagram at Kirby the Servant if you feel so led to. I thank you for your support and please continue to follow. Thank you.